Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 129. For those of you who are new to the show, I'm Jeff Nicholson, and I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with entrepreneurs all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. I'd also like to let you know that this episode is being sponsored by Bartercard, which we are going to hear more about later on in the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So this week, we are joined by Kerry and Adam Anderson. Now, Kerry is Chief Family Officer at Whole Life Entrepreneurship. Kerry left her career as a pediatric nurse to be a stay-at-home mum when her husband, Adam, a serial entrepreneur, began spending more time traveling for work. This lifestyle quickly took its toll on their relationship. Under the stress of their crumbling marriage, Kerry and Adam sought counseling. Meanwhile, developing their own business-based methods for rebuilding their relationship. Today, they're on a mission to share what they've learned, supporting other entrepreneurial couples as they navigate the chaotic world of marriage and entrepreneurship. And Kerry, Adam, it's wonderful to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us. We are just totally excited to be here. Yes, thanks again, Jeff, for having us on. I am really looking forward to speaking to you both. As I said just before we hit the record button, you two are the first couple who have ever been on the show. That's out of a hundred and what is it, thirty-six episodes. So that's um, fantastic. A first. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And and I love. Being- First, I manufacture competitions just so I can win. So I, <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a rarity these days to be first at most things as well. So, you know, I know. You go. I know. <laughs> Very true. Okay. So, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what brought you to this point today? Yeah. So, um, about a couple, oh gosh, five, six years ago, we had an epiphany that our very, very successful business was destroying our marriage. And so (laughs) we have uh, some lessons learned, some perspectives. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate you giving us a chance to, you know, maybe talk through this a little bit and and, uh, see if we resonate with anybody. Yeah. And and what, what, before we um, jump over to Kerry, what's your background, Adam? So I am a serial entrepreneur. I've done 19 companies where I have been either the primary investor or the key entrepreneur starting it. 14 of those have turned into nonprofits uh, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, giant craters. Um, But still about five of them are running. I exited my cybersecurity company last year. And we have all of the, the accolades that you can get as an entrepreneur. We've won all the things. And, uh, still wasn't enough. Right. So then um, after working at this business for the 13 years that he owned it, um, our our family, the family and I kind of did everything we could to sort of rally around him and support that endeavor. And in the process, it kind of started to take its toll. And then, you know, we got to some, some pretty dark places. Um, and then as we, we sort of <laughs> went through a recovery, 
period, we, we learned a lot of things. And that led into about two years ago, I wrote a book called In Bed with the Business, an Entrepreneurial Spouse's Survival Guide. And you know, they kind of coined me as the the girl who survived living with an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then from that, um, Adam had, and I have sort of blossomed this new movement called Whole Life Entrepreneurship, in which we provide other entrepreneurial families with resources and support for how to really blend and balance work and home life. Yeah, and it's it's brilliant having you on because for me, this has always been an important aspect of it because there's so many people, and I don't know if you come across this as well, there'll be so many entrepreneurs that just focus on the work, but they don't mm. understand or acknowledge what they're missing out at home and every they just assume everything's going okay. And then all of a sudden is, is I mean, I've worked with clients who have come home and they've just been told, that's it, I'm leaving or something like that. And it, it's a really challenging thing because entrepreneurs are not easy people to live with, are they? <laughs> um, not, well, not at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not at all my, to say had it challenges. Uh, but yeah, I think what ends up happening and, you know, to be fair, I at the time did not know until I took enough time to really understand what drove Adam and what motivated him. I never really fully understood how much a part of his identity, his business really was. And in fact, I don't think it became 100% clear until he exited. Um, because then you just, you, I mean, it's literally like having empty nest syndrome. And in a lot of ways, I can kind of see how a business for an entrepreneur is very much, you know, their brainchild. Um, unfortunately, that is not a child that he and I shared. <laughs> <laughs> Yet somehow I, as the spouse, managed to still assume the legal and financial responsibility for said brainchild. And so because we didn't really, really ever have any conversations about what that looked like, it caused some, some, some conflict within our relationship. And, and certainly it took a matter of us really coming back around and getting on the same page to be able to get, to get back ahead on, on some of that stuff. Yeah. And not even just a brainchild. It was like the Waltons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was loads of them going on, but very <laughs> promiscuous. <laughs> but that, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's this. So from from your end, uh, Adam, when you're you know you're getting out there, you're doing the work, and you know I know obviously based on the information I've got from from uh, here, Kerry, you obviously were a a nurse, weren't you as well? Um, mm -hmm. How, what was going on in your head while all of this was going on in, in with Kerry, obviously running, running the, the home business as such? Yeah, we call her the CFO, the chief family officer. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be a little vulnerable. I didn't notice it 
all I knew was in my head, I was programmed to think my role in our family was to be the breadwinner, to go out and build empires, to crush it. Security for my family was me building scalable and resilient companies. And as long as I was doing that, I was a good father and I was a good husband because I was providing security. But where I, my conclusion was, oh, if you look at that hierarchy of needs, Oh, I never got beyond the baseline stuff and I was missing out on all the things that make family worthwhile because I put myself in a box to get my success and my fulfillment from my business and not from my relationships. And I don't know if you've ever done sales, but sometimes people tell you no. <laughs> and, and it's, it, that, I put myself in a very dangerous position being ignorant and not intentionally ignorant, just super busy. And, and I think you, try, uh, looking at my wife right here, I think you uh, mentioned divorce multiple times and I just <laughs> glossed right over it because I'm like, no, I'm too busy. Yeah. I mean, honestly, could not even tear his attention away for long enough to, to deal with that. And, you know, on my end, certainly, that's a little painful when you feel like um, you're not even in the top three of, of his priorities. Yeah. Yeah. But it, but it's a real, it's an interesting thing because it's, it's amazing how many people I'm, um, I'm either working with at the minute or have worked over the last 10 years with that sort of story because it is such a common thing. And, and, you know, for me is I'm, I'm a firm believer that it, it, life success. I mean, I love the way um, you know you call your company whole life. Um, mm -hmm. Is very much that it's not about let's just focus on the business, because the family and the and the home unit they're the ones that are coming on the journey as well. So you must have Absolutely. heard some amazing experiences, amazing myths, amazing stories about what it is to be a successful relationship in an entrepreneurial marriage so to speak oh yeah oh yeah i mean the cool thing is that we have involved ourselves in so much volunteer and mentor um activities uh, i did a tour of duty for three years as the entrepreneurial uh entrepreneur in residence for clemson university's mba program so we're teaching babypreneurs mm -hmm. um they know by the way they don't like it when you say if you want to be an entrepreneur the first thing you should do is not pay for an mba and go do it yourself that didn't resonate with the uh professors <laughs> but you know folks would come up to me these kids and they're like i want you to help me convince my wife or my significant other i should do this business and i should take these risks right and i, I yeah, it, Carrie had to get involved and start having these conversations. And it was through, I guess, five years of these conversations with other entrepreneurs that we really began to collect a whole bunch of stories about, you know, how does this go wrong? One of my, uh, one of my favorites, we have a friend, um, two friends out of Ohio. He is a very successful uh, manufacturer entrepreneur, and she is a very successful doctor. She's an OBGYN. And watching them balance it because it was not the traditional entrepreneur doing the thing and then stay at home other spouse right it was two powerhouse personalities and they have uh what three kids mm -hmm. oh man watching them you know 
date each other and to participate each other and have healthy conversations, I would say that they were probably the model that we followed to say, this is how you have respect for each other and respect for the different roles and balance out the whole thing. They kind of taught us that, you know, you husband and wife are your, your, whoever your partner is, whatever you're, you're doing, that your board of director members with equal share of family Inc. And the company is just part of that. Yeah. And they were, and they were especially integral. I, I think, um, because we met them within what back in the day was really the first mastermind group that Adam had gotten involved with for his own business development. And that particular group happened to have uh, maybe twice a year, a couple's retreat where the business owner would bring along their spouse. And that was honest to goodness. Again, this was early on in our entrepreneurial journey together. This was the first time that I ever even had contact with other spouses. I honestly thought we were the only ones. You know, when you're in a military setting and you're married to the military, you live on base, you have all of these people around you. If, you're, if your husband or wife is, is been put on active duty, you have all of this support around you. Um, you kind of know a little bit what you're getting yourself into. That was not the case for me. I had no idea. I had no support. My husband traveled all over the world while I was at home with small kids. Um, and it was not all, you know, sunshine and rainbows all the time. So, you know, when once we found, or rather once I found, that there were other people out there experiencing the same things, I was just mind-blowing to, to finally have been able to find our people. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I suppose there's one is as much as, well, at least the way I look at it, should I say, is and the the entrepreneur is I'm doing it because I want, you know, as Adam said before, I'm, I'm, I'm the caveman. I want to provide for my family. I want to create this amazing lifestyle for my family. And I'm because I guess of my experiences, what I, I always describe them as the dream team. So always whatever I'm doing, ever since Josh, who was my youngest, was seven or eight years old, he's always come up and tried to give me ideas or, or whatever, bless him. Um, <laughs> most of the time, so I don't think I can sell stickle bricks, son, but don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, trying to get everyone involved. And I think this is the thing that really one of the things that I love is you call it the whole life entrepreneurship entrepreneurship and for you as well as is the when you become that chief family officer so what exactly is the role of the chief family officer so in our household the chief family officer is the person who runs the household so you know, I pay all the bills. I manage any money coming into the house. I manage what goes out. Um, I also manage all of the scheduling things. We have an 11-year-old daughter and an 8-year-old son. And um, as they have gotten older, surprise of all surprises, 
they're demanding more and more of our time to take them to soccer or to theater. And so it gets a little complicated. Um, certainly that is a big part of it. Just making sure that everybody has what they need, be it clean underwear or deodorant or whatever. Certainly making sure that everybody's basic needs are met. Um, anything to do with the actual home. Um, my sweet husband is very talented Careful. in so many ways. <laughs> house care is not one of those things that he is talented in. So if our, if our house is falling apart, I usually have to find someone to come fix that kind of thing. So, you know, um, certainly holding down the fort when he is away, mm. if he's out of town or if he's traveling. Sure. But there's an additional uh, role that you play that you didn't outline, and that is a strategic role where you're also the moral compass. So, Jeff, we get together once a week and do something called a family business meeting. It's just the, a stand-up 15-minute meeting. We go through some checkpoints about what's going on with the calendar, the finances, boom, 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 boom. And the fact that she, as the CFO, is a sounding board, and I have an opportunity to explain it to a you know a shareholder, I get a check every single week on what I need to start saying no to on my schedule and what I need to start saying no to as far as an initiative or where I plan on de deploying capital. Yeah, because we have um, a common set of visions, values, and goals for where we want our family to go, as long as we are able to kind of keep check on that, um, then we feel a lot more comfortable to deferring to the other's expertise in, in certain areas. You know, before we started doing all of that, and Adam kind of just drove this ship for us, and I really had no idea what was going on. He came home one day and said, oh, by the way, I happened to lose $2 million today. And I was like, wait, what? You know, I, I had no idea where we were financially, what was going on with the business. I had no idea if we lost 2 million out of 20 or if we lost 2 million out of 1 million. Like <laughs> I had no, I had no real concept. And so of course I freak out because he had not kept me up to date on any of those things. So as we have gone forward and established a real clear common vision for not just where we want to go individually, where we want to go with the business, but where we want to go as a family. It helps dictate all other decisions because if we're both pointing towards true north, then we both will get there eventually. So I suppose, it, would I be fair in saying that the business success is coming from you being able to make your the home a success and it's, it's so there's less pressure going on with worries going at home so there's more focus that can be done based on the right decisions because everyone knows where they're going what they're doing and the time that they've got available rather than I don't know the guess the normal scenario would be hello dear by the way I'm away for the next five days so the yep right okay okay yeah so, so, so I'd love to put this in the, the something that people, business folks can understand. You ask yourself, what is the cost of conflict 
inside of my business. If I have a senior manager that hates the other senior manager and I need them both to produce you know, their product, maybe one's creating leads and the other one's closing deals, and those two people are not getting along and they don't have conversations, the w- best case scenario is a reduction in quality. The worst case scenario is complete failure of the business. And so success at home, lack of conflict at home, breeds the amount of energy I need to go out into the world to do the empire building and then success back there, I get to bring back to the home. And it's like a somebody helping you turn a giant heavy wheel rather than somebody putting on the brakes. It really does spin that wheel so fast. And I will tell you, once you start doing it, you can measure the success by looking at your bank account. Yeah. And there's less resistance. Absolutely. And you know what? I spent a lot of time looking at my wife and saying, you don't support me. You don't respect me. You don't, you don't, uh, you're not on board with this. And when I was like that, I was absolutely resentful. I was completely resentful and I shut down and I stonewall. I'm not a yeller. I'll just not talk to you for, you know, a month. And uh, the way it is now, I look at her and I'm like, I have a partner who even though I'm running the race and she, she's not necessarily on the track with me 100% of the time, but she is in the stands or at the starting line or at the finish line cheering wildly, it is night and day different doing what we do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So just before we jump over to the second part of the show, could you share three either strategies or tips to help people get started who are in this current situation. Maybe they're in different levels levels of the scale. So maybe you've got some that are just going, holy crap, that's us. Or maybe you've got others that are going, yeah, okay, we radically need to change direction or else. Um, Is there any tips and strategies that you could share? Yeah, the first one is to immediately forgive yourself. You are exactly where you're supposed to be. You have to start from where you are. There's no reason to jump into a panic. People have been where you are already, and it's going to be okay, but you do now have to get serious about it. So wherever you happen to be, you should immediately start by forgiving yourself and then extending that grace of forgiveness to your partner. So that's the first tip. The second tip is get some professional counseling. Um, What I do when I look at this counseling thing Um, I don't look at it as like my relationship's broken. I hire, I don't know how much money you've spent on professional consultants on business, but why in the world wouldn't I hire a professional consultant to come in and help me do an assessment on my relationships? So hunt up a professional consultant. Don't go into it with any head trash. Reflect on how much you paid for that marketing consultant to give you that that plan you never executed. Oh, there's twenty five thousand dollars gone. It's so much cheaper to go and talk to a uh, counselor. So, and then the third part is, um, you know, we've we've created a thing called the Three C's assessment. This is the assessment that uh, we give people who want to figure out where are they with how they find joy, how they communicate, and how they build a healthy community. We call that chill communication and community. And, you know, just take a, take a quick uh, 10 minutes, go through our little assessment. And it gives you a starting point to say where you're strong and where you're weak. Cause I guarantee you, you are strong somewhere and you don't need to be feeling overwhelmed and depressed about that. What do you think, Carrie? The good thing about that three C thing that we do is it brings in the other component. So I like to think of all of this as sort of its own little Trinity, when we talk about being 
whole. When we talk about being holistic and approaching this from every single angle, we want to approach it from a business standpoint. We want to approach it from a relational standpoint. We also want to approach it from an individual standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so that 3C assessment has a way of turning the mirror on you and saying, okay, now how can we take the best things about you and apply that to all areas of your life? Because that's the way you want to show up in your own life is at your very, very best. And you want to be that across all areas and be successful in, in that way. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's chill communication. And what was the other one? Community. Community. Okay. It's interesting mm -hmm. as well, because you mentioned the professional counselor, Adam, and you talked about, you know, hiring professionals. It's amazing how many I don't know. I don't. I don't know whether it's you know what which element of it is, but it's amazing how many people immediately dismiss that because their ego says, "No, I don't need that." And yeah, but isn't that fascinating? Absolutely, because I think is is as you say, change only happens when we address it. That when we look at ourselves and reflect on ourselves and go, "I honestly need to make some some radical decisions," and actually bringing in. As you say, you know, regardless of business, as as your um, dear lady has stated, if there's something wrong with the house, you bring in someone who knows what they're doing. So whether mm -hmm. you know it's a plumber or a or a joiner or whatever it is, you bring them in because they know exactly what it is to to do. There's that great story about the the guy who goes into the ship and they're trying to find the leak, and the right guy just goes in and taps it once. And they find a leak straight away and charges them 500 pounds or something. And that's because he knows where to tap. It's the same thing. If there's a, it's one of the reasons why I trained in therapy is because I wanted to understand the dynamics of how, what people do and how people move forward or what's stopping them from their past. And there's that such an important part of us is drop the ego and just go, yeah. our hands in the air, I can't do this. I need help doesn't mean you're failing if anything it means that you're gonna you're actually doing something to do something about it yeah but you know the cool thing with becoming self-aware that you may not be perfect and that you might be the problem is that now you're able to become the solution as well but before you're able to take effective steps steps you have to have some self-awareness that it is okay for me not to be perfect it is okay for me to have deficiencies because i'm really good somewhere else so why in the world why in the world should I assume I'm good at everything? Totally. One of the things I do is I um, rate my relationships out of 10 and I'm not, I don't use six. And the, so when I, when I speak to, I used to speak to my kids and go, okay, kids, you know, um, what's our relationship out of 10 and be honest. I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to do angry simply because you're putting me down. And sometimes, and I did the same with my wife is sometimes is I'm sitting there mouth open a gate going, Really? I thought I was so much higher than that. But, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you're sitting there and you're going, okay, let's get cracking and do some work. Yep. And it's and yep. and that's the thing. And um, and to me it's it's refreshing being able to go, I just want to be honest to do the as you both said, it's to do the best job I possibly can of being a dad, a husband, obviously an entrepreneur, whatever it is. It, you you've got to do the graft. You have to. And 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 it, I tell you what, most of us, I, me personally, my journey, I, I was very fearful approaching that. As the entrepreneur, 
I go to work every day. I close business. I am a hero. I'm absolutely amazing. I'm really very, very, very good at this entrepreneur stuff. And we, we say it's, it's being pro-annoyed instead of being paranoid. Yes. When I leave a room, I'm positive. <laughs> yeah. People are, loves yes, people are saying amazing <laughs> things behind my back. But then, but then I would come home. Yeah. And I was not the hero. No. And I didn't want to be there because, you know, my ego wasn't getting stroked. And so for me to muster up the courage to put myself in a situation where I had to look at me, and I'm not saying I was the problem. I'm saying I was part of the problem. It's 50%. I take 100% of the ownership of my part of the problem. But I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. And I will be, I, I, I got to brag a little bit. Carrie went a year ahead of me. She was absolutely fed up with this lifestyle. And she said, if you're not going to take steps to fixing this, I'm going to take steps to taking a look at myself. And uh, she really inspired me to get the courage to start to take a look at myself. Yeah, but one of the things that we we built into our weekly, what we call our, our family business meeting, one of the things that we built into that was sort of this opportunity to, but you know, before something blew up throughout the week after, you know, problems compound, we built in this opportunity for us to say, you know, um, I really appreciate that you did this. You know, I, I really wish that this thing had been handled a little bit differently. So we kind of had this opportunity for a clearing statement, which was great for me because I always had something I could complain about, right? <laughs> um, I've been waiting all week to bring this up. I'm glad you asked. So, but the issue with that was that I had created this environment where Adam wanted so badly to make me happy again that he didn't feel like he ever had anything that he wanted to address. And so it took him a long time to tie in asking for, for those things from me. You know, I, I wish that this had been done a little bit differently. I wish that this had, I mean, it was always basically an opportunity for me to tell him what he had been doing wrong, but he really had to stop and, and really think about what he had that he really needed help with, that he needed to ask me for, but was scared to do it because he was so used to being the Superman, because he was so used to trying to keep everything copacetic. He never felt like he could ever ask me for help or ask me for anything else. And so that's one of the reasons I was never able to, to be very supportive was because I didn't know what he needed. And so just, just taking that time and saying, you know, th this is what I need help with. It would be great if we could approach this a little bit differently in the week going forward. And then we'll check in next week and see how it went. It was really, really important as we're trying to work on ourselves to figure out how to need each other again. Mm, yeah. It's also the, the thing that is, strikes me is it is an amazing gift you are presenting to your children to be yeah. able to stop for a second and stop going down the old worn patterns of how society is kind of like conditioning us to be yep. instead breaking the change and just going, no, we're just going to do something different. And, and if they can then carry that on and then they teach their kids and so on, you all of a sudden you're completely influencing 
a generation and generations to come of your family to be able to do things right. Well, that's the hope, right? I mean, we uh, we are on a, a mission to change how entrepreneurial families exist in this world. And the idea is if we can touch these families and then we create a healthy place where, you know, kids are growing up and then owners go back to their companies and we change how the companies operate, that, that this is our our goal. This is what we want to have done is a more self-aware collaborative healthy world and we're going to do it by working on entrepreneurial relationships yeah we we kind of started this relationship not really knowing that we just jumped right into the roles construct that were was already laid out for us (laughs) and nobody asked us we didn't ask each other we just jumped into those roles and we did what we were what we thought we were supposed to do and um you know as we have begun the process of breaking down those rules and restructuring how we want to do it, um, it's been really interesting to see the effect of, of our family culture as those, those roles have been broken down. This sort of husband, wife, man, woman, entrepreneur, and, and spouse, the, the way that it has all shaken out has been really interesting. And our kids are definitely seeing that we are actively doing it differently. Mm-hmm. Looking for a great business opportunity. Bartercard franchises are based on an area model. And it's simple. The more business you generate, the more you earn. Owning a Bartercard franchise gives you the control to be your own boss, along with the reassurance and ongoing support from a world-class global management team. Franchisees grow their business by meeting business owners and demonstrating how Bartercard works and how Bartercard is a key tool in the development of their business by guaranteeing to bring new customers increasing sales, saving cash and improving cash flow, providing the opportunity to fill their spare capacity or downtime and sell their excess stock without special offers or discounts, improving profitability and providing an interest-free line of credit to preserve cash. In return, Bartercard provides a comprehensive support program, including business planning templates, office setup and support, regional marketing support, and initial and ongoing training. If you're interested in this amazing business opportunity, please contact Nadia Ruhi on 0800-840-6333. That's 0800-840-6333. That's brilliant. Okay, let's dive over to the second part of the show. This is where I get an opportunity to put you on the hot seat, so to speak, and ask a set of questions that I ask every guest who comes on the show. So are you ready? We are so ready. Very excited. This is going to be awesome. Okay. (laughs) Question number one. On average, how much time a week do you dedicate to self-development? That's body, mind, and spirit. Um, I am very regular with that kind of thing. I um, have a gratitude journal that I do every night. I went to yoga this morning. I am very good about like being careful about meal planning and structuring my day around um, my personal health goals. What I'm not as good at is consistency. 
but I mean, I do pretty well for like month long stretches. <laughs> yeah. You probably do 10 hours a week. I would say, I would say probably that. Yeah. How about you? Uh, 23 minute. <laughs> yeah. You're not as good at it. It's not working out real well. Right now. I'm on a, I'm on a slump. <laughs> I have a good, oh, Jeff though. I have a great plan. You should see it. Yeah. It's great. And he still, he still pays for the gym membership. So there is that. I get some credit. <laughs> Okay, next next agenda on the meeting for the family meeting. You need to do more personal development, Adam. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's on there. It's on there. It's, September's looking great. It's going to be great. <laughs> Question number two. What book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why? Um, you know, there are so many fantastic books that I that jumped into my, my head, but... Um, the one that really um, kind of impacted me is one that my dad wrote for his residency. So he he had a bunch of residents that he taught, um, um, and medical uh, students, medical students. And so he wrote a book that was called uh, Psychological Health for Medical Residents, and it was about how do you deal with stress, how do you deal with perception, how do you deal with your identity. And my dad has been my biggest mentor. And so, you know, the, his, his works aren't publicly available, but uh, I got to tell you, that is the thing that's really impacted me the most was the way he led by example and the words that he, he gifted on paper. I think if I had to say in, in recent years, I am a, have become a huge Brene Brown fan. Um, I love all of the work that she has done around um, shame and that has been really really important not just in raising our kids and how we parent our kids so that we're not associating shame with everything negative that they do but we kind of help them to sort of be more intrinsically motivated in in their behavior but also you know as Adam and I again have gone through this marriage recovery because in a way it's very much like uh it's very much like that it is a full process and it's ongoing um we have really had to figure out how to speak to each other without associating and nailing shame on each other and and that that was really really important to me as we were trying to develop the WLE methodology. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay. Um, question number three is what app makes the biggest impact to your business or life? So the app right now that is having the biggest impact on my life is an app called Dueling Otters. It is two otters that fight each other and I'm able to play that with my eight-year-old son, which at meals, meaning that it's we have a fun time at a restaurant rather than a screaming match. And I got to tell you, having a positive family experience in a public place versus a negative <laughs> one. Oh, yeah. Dual otters, man. Yeah. It is yeah. the best. There's many parents there going, hey, what's that app? All of a sudden, they're, uh -huh. they're going to make an absolute fortune in the next. That's true. There you go, brother. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Old Royal yeah. go to Adam and Kerry. Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it's probably cliche, but as far as the business goes, we operate a lot within Facebook and the Facebook app. And in fact, there are things that I do on the Facebook app for 
um, our group members in our in our private Facebook group that I can't even do very well on my laptop. So yeah, social media, it's a thing. I know, I know. God damn it. Um, I know, <laughs> right? Yes. Question number four. Um, what's your biggest business mistake which turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Now, this could be from past experiences or maybe even to do with WLE. Yeah, my, uh, the turns out there's this thing called cash flow you know um it's important uh, i did not always understand that allegedly <laughs> allegedly i had a company that was an internet cafe and we were making about three thousand dollars a month in revenue but i had fourteen thousand in expenses and i tried to make that up in volume math 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 <laughs> <laughs> and after about 12 months of hemorrhaging cash like that I tell you, I have a true emotional scar on my heart around cash flow, and it actually kind of gets in the way of some of my investments when I'm not willing to, you know, spend, 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 spend. And I, and I understand that's how some things work, but I need to see absolutely healthy and solid cash flow models before I feel comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Carrie, anything, even if it's family uh, business? Yeah, actually. Um, what I, what I would like to say kind of ties back into what I said earlier, I allowed myself to get stuck in a role of wife and mother, and I completely forgot about myself in the process and martyred all of Carrie's dreams. <laughs> um, I, 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 and then I laid it before my husband and children and said, look what I have done for you. And they didn't appreciate it. I don't understand why. Um, <laughs> So I think if I had to say what my biggest mistake was, was just not believing that I could have done it all. I, I waited until my kids were of a certain age and I waited a long time to start doing my own thing. And I wish that I had not done that. I wish I had done it a little bit sooner. And I think we all would have been a lot happier. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Question number five is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them? I feel like we do a pretty good job right now. The, uh, it's been a real gift working with Carrie. Um, every day I get up and we're talking about entrepreneurial marriages. And so by the very default, we're working on our relationship. That being said, I also have four other businesses that I'm running. I'm chair of multiple businesses and I've got CEOs who report to me and I've got to go manage those guys too. And so for me, I find the pendulum has swung the other direction where my balance is more at home than it is in maybe fulfilling all of my roles and responsibilities with these other companies. And so that's my big struggle is actually the opposite direction. Uh, and I'm still learning on how to, how to, be the right kind of chairman and the right type of owner for those companies while I'm still doing this thing over here with Carrie. I think if I had to say, it's probably, I mean, at the beginning of any new business, and again, in the last year and a half, we have been cranking up, well, we were up to like seven businesses that he was trying to crank out at the same time. I think down, now we're down to five as far as you know, yeah. Yeah. So anytime <laughs> you're in this kind of... Carry. <laughs> uh -huh, exactly. Exactly. We should really talk about that. Um, 
anytime that you're in the beginning stages and you're in that hustle phase and it takes, you know, a good couple to three years to get through that hustle phase, it's very, very easy for everything else to sort of fall to the wayside. So just this month alone, we had two little small weekend trips that we had scheduled that we, you know, was just supposed to be for Adam and me to have some some separate alone time, not business related. We have canceled both of those because, you know, sometimes the business schedule just has to take priority. It just happens to be crunch time and we, we make the adjustment and hope to goodness that there's time to make it up later. So if I had to say, yes, we're working together all the time. We are together all the time. Is it relational stuff? I'm not sure. Sounds like we need to do better at this one. I think so. You're really giving us, <laughs> you're really giving us a mirror to look at ourselves Thanks. today, Jeff. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't realize this was going to be a coaching session. Um, I know. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we'll send you a check. I hope it's <laughs> oh, always open to them. Always open to them. <laughs> okay, so question number six. Ed, what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Yeah, so this is what I would I'd tell to an entrepreneur who wants to get started is uh, be patient. Um, more to the point, give yourself the luxury of patience, meaning don't quit your day job and go and do your full-in entrepreneurial journey. Do a side hustle while you're still making money because building a business is very, very hard. It's very, very chaotic. You never know when something's going to happen. And to add the extra stress of, I don't know how I'm paying my mortgage or my rent or feeding myself on top of all the other entrepreneurial stresses, it's just not worth it. Instead of going home at night and watching Netflix or YouTube or whatever, take two hours a night and launch a company that you can do from home while you still have your day job. Don't go all in on a giant bet. You're going to have multiple companies in your life. Just be very patient. Yeah. And I think for me, I would just say to really try and keep some perspective. So no matter how far out your, your dream is built, your vision is built, you know, you have an idea of what it's going to look like in a year and in three years and five years and 10 years, Keep some perspective every time you get discouraged about something and look backwards. Where were you six months ago? Mm. Where were you a year ago? And you're always a lot farther along the journey than you feel like you are. So um, when you're looking backwards, you can get a little bit more perspective about really how far you've come and, and it can kind of motivate you to keep going. Yeah, it's one of the, one of the things I teach is, is making sure people record their successes so they can do that. Because quite often they, they just, they go through that treadmill and they'll record all of the failures, all the things that went terribly wrong. Yeah. But they have this terrible ability to recall the good things. So by, you know, even if you're doing like a gratitude or something like to have something that you can go, oh yeah, life isn't as bad as I thought it was. Because they've got mm -hmm. yes. a record. Too many people just don't do that. Yep. Okay. So uh, question number seven, what is your definition of success? Kerry and Adam. I will um, tell you my definition of failure. Okay. Um, As a fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so success is a, sometimes a hard thing to pin down. But what I get truly scared of is... Uh, what I believe is failure and failure is being wildly successful in other people's eyes in something you truly don't care about. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Okay. Oh, you, you, you're right. You win. 
That's that. <laughs> well done. Okay, spinning on its tail there, but you actually came out with roses. Okay, <laughs> Carrie. I think success for for me is just really being able to spread hope and joy and help somebody somewhere, whether I do that to one person a day or 30 people a day, or if it takes me a year to help 30 people, I would say anytime I help somebody, it's a success. Brilliant. Cool. Excellent. Okay. Question number eight is, do you have any daily routines or rituals that make a huge impact on your day? I really enjoy my morning ritual. Um, actually, I've, I've injured myself, and so I haven't been able to get back to the gym. But the, the having my first three hours of the morning where I get up, help the kids get ready for school, take them to school, hit the gym for an hour, come home, hit the shower, sit on the back porch playing a guitar with a cup of coffee, and then get ready for my day around 10, 11 o'clock. That was my happiest time, and uh, I want to get back to that. Man, you got that sorted. That sounds. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was fantastic for about three years. Wow. And then, and then you get over forty, and things start hurting. Yeah. Oh, I'm with you on that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Kerry. Um, I tend to get up a little bit before everybody else in the household. And that's kind of my time to, to regroup and plan out my day. And I mean, it's, you know, I, you hear all these celebrities who get up at like 4 a.m. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking my kids get up at 6.30. I get up at 6. And so I, I can kind of get up. And even if I'm not even fully sitting up in the bed, I can kind of mentally go through my day and just get it get a little bit organized bef- before i jump out of bed brilliant yeah yeah it's, it, 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 i've experimented with that 5 a.m thing mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm still not 100 percent sold on it i keep re- yeah yeah i think i think you know have have two kids a dog you know and then all of a sudden get up at 5 5 a.m in the morning and it's <laughs> very different very, uh, yes you might have got yes. to sleep at two o'clock there you go right (laughs) the big picture you got to be holistic about this right exactly exactly okay so the final question is a life lesson question this is where i ask you to pick a number um i've slightly changed this so where does it go up to oh yeah between one and 20 um it lands on a life lesson i've learned through my illness and through starting my own business and that sort of thing um and it's just our final conversation conversational point should i say um so please pick a number between one and 20 Miss Anderson? 11. 11. Ah, okay. Never be ashamed to show your emotional side to your family. Um, oh. How poignant is that? Um, it's very, very good. So this, this for me was always, again, we've talked about that caveman attitude. My family, I never really saw any of my family get emotional. I saw them get annoyed, um, but I didn't <laughs> see them sort of share when things were a bit of a challenge or anything like that. And I kind of like used to hide my emotions really well, which was probably one of the triggers that actually led me to be ill. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I'm a firm believer now that we should be able to express ourselves in an open way to our, our family. You know, whether it's things are going a little bit tough, it's not about going, oh, woe is me. But what it is about going is, you know, um, share your emotional state and not be, not be afraid to show it, but be proud that, you know, sometimes that's got to be, 
that's got to happen. And I wonder what you thought. When we were in counseling, we, we've seen several therapists, but one of the counselors that we were seeing said, tell him how you feel. And I told, and she said, tell her how you feel. And Adam said, and we both just were looking at each other with our mouths gaping open. And, and she said to us, why did you never say this before you walked into my office to each other? And he said, well, she already has so much on her plate. I did not want to give her any more of a burden. And I said, well, he's so busy. I can't, I can't need him. He's got so many other things that need him. I can't, I can't do that to him. I can't add any more to his load. And she said, sounds to me like you two are going to protect each other right out of your relationship. And that has really stuck with me um, because we thought we were helping each other by not sharing. Mm -hmm. But be stoic and not be a burden to the other person. Exactly. But what it, what it created was this toxic environment where we really couldn't need each other. And that is not what sharing a life is supposed to be about. So it's been, it's been quite an exercise and quite a journey for us to figure out how to share our emotions in a vulnerable way that doesn't come off um, angry or hurt because that's sort of the secondary emotion that happens when you don't share your initial emotions. Well, and also weakness, right? So I have struggled being authentically vulnerable in places that were where I felt weak. And it is very scary to go to that spot. It's very scary. Now I can be vulnerable about things I'm awesome at, but being vulnerable at things that I'm truly worried about or that I feel are, are dark places inside of me, that is not comfortable. And, it, but man, and I'm, I'm sure you can back me up on this. Every time I go there and every time I take a step, there are amazing results. It is the most healing, most powerful, most brave thing I can do is to be vulnerable inside of my weakness. Yeah, totally. And actually, it's one of the interesting things, not, so not only about that, but actually that's what I've also found is, is when you're in a good mastermind and you, you're, you're in a group of people, with, whether it's, I mean, you know, you, I joined a mastermind thinking it was all going to be about business. Within the third session, it was like, oh, my God, we're going deep now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that ability to actually have people, um, whether it's about their relationships or whether it's about stuff that's going on at work, just to be able to go hands up, back on, um, I don't know how to handle this or, um, you know, something's going on, whether it's a relationship issue that, um, you know, it's come up in masterminds of the past and stuff. You just sit there and you're going, wow, we can, you know, once that crack, if you want that crack happens and people can see that they're not going to get judged, they're, they're, there's some, there's a group of people, whether it's a counselor or whether it's, you know, whatever, they're sitting there and going, okay, how can we support you? Amazing things can get done then. Agreed. You know, I've often thought, and I would love to, to get some feedback. We have so many mastermind for business people. Where are the masterminds for the spouses of business people? Oh, totally. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's interesting is there's mastermind, there's masterminding. Uh, I, I know a couple of people who do the masterminding for the kids. So oh, it's cool. to bring the kids in because sometimes the, uh, hmm. 
the kids are kind of like um, not overseen that's not the right word but they're they're not sort of brought it into the fold because like mum and dad are trying to do x or dad's trying to do x um yeah but yeah I, I would i would agree it's it's but that's interesting because when kerry was talking about that i think my wife and i recently had a conversation we were talking about how many people in my sphere of, 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 if you want entrepreneurship and business and everything else. And my wife's never met their, their partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a really, really interesting. When you said that, I was like, you know what? That is so right. Because it's, it's not yeah. that she's not interested. Cause I mean, I've known Lindsay since I was eight years old. So she, we, we talk about all sorts, but there's an element where you look at it and go, I want to shield you from the worry. But actually, at the same time, I want you to be part of it to know exactly which is the direction. But the biggest change that we made is when we all went, this is what we want to do as a union, not this is my direction and this is your direction. Because then it's like, well, what happens if you go into three degrees of separation? And it's like Mm -hmm. going in the wrong way. So, yeah, there's some amazing stuff that you've talked about today. Yeah, One of the things that we, we really want our three C's to address that being chill communication and community one of the three things that we want those three things to address are alone stressed and scared and alone stressed and scared is ass just putting that out there i I did that Um, on purpose (laughs) but it was funny because in our own way at our worst times the pain points were exactly the same they they were just on opposite ends of this, of this spectrum. He was feeling alone and I was feeling alone. Nobody could relate to these problems. And that's why this entrepreneurial lifestyle is so unique. It's, it's hard to find people who can understand and relate to you. Totally. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And you know, as the, as generations move on and different things come in, there's more distractions and there's less, you know, there's less time for people just stopping for a second and talking. Yeah, so it's becoming yeah. a harder process to do that. But you know, I mean, how many times do you walk down the street and you? you well, there was a thing the other day talking about you know waiting rooms at doctors or dentists or stuff. That used to be the time you used to stop, think, and talk. Now <laughs> everyone's now in their heads as are in their phones responding to yeah. work or you know, I don't know, taking a photograph of a cat or something like that, you know, but it's, you know, it's, it is a really, it's scary how the, the world is changing so, so quickly. Well, yeah. And you have to embrace it too. Oh, I mean, totally. we're not going to fight this wave. Uh, I've had real mixed emotions about creating a online community through our, our Facebook group, because I like sitting in rooms with 10 people, even a hundred people. I have a better connection than I feel over the internet, but you know, it's, it's, uh, people do, people are going to be on their phones and they're going to be on social media. So why not create a healthy, safe, nurturing place in this worldwide web than, you know, not. So, you know, against my better judgment and against my better instincts, we've done it. And there's healing happening in that group. There's encouragement happening in that group. And I feel it's probably one of the best things that, um, Carrie's ever forced me to do. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I must admit, for transparency, that's one of the challenges I have with my group is how do I take my personality as a coach, one-to-one mm-hmm. or group, or even a speaker mm-hmm. in an event, and how do I bring that to the digital platform? Yeah, that, that's that. That's the my biggest single mission at the minute is trying to work out how can I create a digital Jeff. Um, God yeah. forbid, 
world domination is next. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. that's the thing is steps. do that. Yeah, small steps. Yeah, we'll just start with Europe. Um, but you know, that's that, fair. That's that's the thing is it's so it's um it is an interesting an interesting thing. But I digress. So final point is you get an opportunity to share with the audience. Um, so, uh, whether it's how people can get hold of you, how can they find out more about WLE? Um, what is it that um, you would like to share with the audience? Absolutely. So the best way to connect with us and to learn more about this is go to wlemission.com slash success IQ. And we'll have links to the 3C assessment. We'll have links to a conflict cost calculator. We'll have links to the Facebook group for you to join. And we'll have a bunch of call to actions on how you can identify where you need to plug in, right? Because you said it earlier, wherever you are on your journey, there is always a, a place that you can go that's a little bit healthier. And it's completely okay for you to be where you are. And we really want to bring these tools to you that you can um, take steps. If anything we said resonated with how do we run the family business meeting, how you do vision, value, goals, any of these things resonated, we're going to give you a path to make these things a part of your life. And we're going to do it in a way that's respectful to the entrepreneur, the spouse, and the family as a whole. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, Kerry, Adam, it has been an absolute joy speaking to you. I've really enjoyed it. And you've got me thinking, and obviously I've coached you. Um, but <laughs> if... Um, you know, just really wishing you the greatest success with everything that you do. Thank you so much, Jeff. We so appreciate you having us on. This was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. First of all, let me just say a huge and massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know you're listening. I really appreciate the support. If you would like to know more about me, the services I offer, how to connect with me on social media, then please visit www.successiq.co.uk. Remember, if you're interested in learning some great strategies that I teach or want to be part of the amazingly supportive community where you can find lives, Q&A sessions and other great educational empowering resources, then take action and search for Success IQ Alliance on Facebook and join this brilliant group. It would be lovely to see you there. You can tune in and listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn and of course iTunes. And if you have enjoyed the show and have the time, please leave a rating and review because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm aspiring to do. I wish you the greatest success and remember, don't settle for mediocrity. Go out there and create and live the exceptional. Have a lovely week and remember, just one conversation can create a lifetime of results. See you next week.